All right, everybody, come on in and grab your outline and uh, stand with me, if you will. And I'm excited to look into God's Word tonight. Welcome everybody that's watching online. Welcome Fairview. Thank you for being here. I am excited and ready and have been waiting for Bible study. Isn't it good to be back in the Lord's house? Give God a hand. Amen. Uh, We need to be together and thank God that we can tonight. I want you to take your your Bible and go to Ephesians chapter number 2. New Testament, book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. And tonight will be a little bit different than the normal uh, preaching or Bible study format. Normally, we do expository, which uh, basically means we go verse by verse uh, through through a context or a set of passages Tonight we're going to uh, do what's called a topical type Bible study. And that is where we take a topic and then we kind of break the topic down and we go to many other places for biblical support. And so I want to read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. Continue to pray for Pastor Malcolm and Brother Dustin and whoever else might be with them doing some DMD training. And uh, isn't it cool that that God has given us a pastor that other pastors call and and say, would you teach me what y'all got going on? That is just a very awesome thing that God's given us uh, somebody of that caliber. So pray for them. They'll be back uh, real soon. And right now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Scripture says, And you hath he quickened. That word quickened means made alive. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We know that the prince of the power of the air is Satan. And in verse 2 he says, Wherein, that means in their spiritually dead state. So he's talking to believers. And he said, you used to be dead in trespasses and sins. But the Holy Spirit, when He saved you, regenerated you. And now your spirit is alive through salvation. If you're with me, say amen. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were 
by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, say amen right there, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. I pray you'd help us tonight in this Bible study. I pray you'd give me the words to say. Help me to say everything I need to and nothing I shouldn't. I pray you'd bless us as we hear. And I pray you'd touch Preacher Malcolm and Brother Dustin and use them for your glory where they are tonight as well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to talk to you tonight about past problems. I got to tell you that I believe that if we will listen intently and soak up and soak in the content of tonight's message, it can truly be life-changing in an in a eye-opening wonderful, wonderful way for all of us. I know it has been for me. Everybody in this room that's been uh, alive for more than a week or two, you have a past. A past, as described in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, of where we were before we met Jesus. The scriptures in these verses, he, he's encouraging them. And the nuts and bolts of what he's saying in verses 1 through 5 is, you weren't always saved. There was a time when because of your sin, you were spiritually dead. But now you came to Christ and now you've been quickened. That's a, a King James Bible word for made alive. And I'm so thankful that getting saved is not a process that happens over time, but rather it's a, it's a, a spiritual work that God does in a lost person's uh, spirit the moment that they trust Him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not shall take five additional steps or get confirmed by the church or go through baptism and a few classes and then you might qualify. Shall be saved. So the picture here is of their past life and then their life after they're saved. Are you with me? Say amen right there. Our past. The problem with our past, is that so many times our past gives us problems. And when I'm talking to you tonight, of course I want you to think about your life before Jesus, that's your past. But I also want you to think about anything before this moment. You realize yesterday was your past as well. Keep that in your mind. The biggest problems with our past, 
failures and successes is that they can hinder what God wants to do in our life today. I want you to follow with me. Every Christian here tonight can identify and solve the problem of living in the past by looking for and following the indicators that we're going to cover tonight. So I'm going to give you several, and we'll go through these quickly because there's a lot of them. But these are indicators that you might be stuck living in the past. And by the way, it's not bad, wrong, evil, or sinful to reminisce. It's not bad or wrong to have and possess a memory. But if we live there and allow Satan to have a foothold there, then we have problems. God is a God of victory. God is a God of moving forward. God is a God of a thousand more chances. His mercies are new every single morning. And He has a future for every one of us here tonight. And when we allow the past to control us, we basically stiff arm what God wants to do through us. Past problems. Let's walk through these indicators. So I'll give you an indicator, but then I'm also going to give you the solution. So number one, if here's indicator number one that I might be living in the past. If I am indecisive about my life's direction, I may be living in the past. If I'm indecisive, Matter of fact, the Lord said something uh, in the book of Revelation that was startling. He, He told the church at Laodicea that they were not hot, they were not cold, they were just kinda doing life. He called it lukewarm. He said, I would or I wish that you would choose a lane and just get in it. He said, I wish that you were hot. That means living for God 100% or cold, altogether done. He said, but this lukewarm, half in and half out, God said, I really have a problem with it. And do you know what happens because of failures and because of problems and because of a whole list of other things that happened to us In our past, we get stuck and we flounder with no real direction. In the ministry that God has given me these last 25 years, I find people daily who have no direction. And I'm not even talking about things like goals or or, or, I'm not even going that far. I'm talking about people that cannot decide to either live for God or live back where God has rescued them from. 
The Bible says in Luke 9.62, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus said, if you want to get on board with what I'm doing, let's go. I'm going somewhere, but you have to make up your mind to get on board. I'm the world's worst sometimes for making up my mind. We uh, go to the Chicagoland area uh, almost every year. We've got a lot of friends there. and I get to preach in some great churches. And they always take us to these Greek restaurants. And their menus looks like uh, uh, the Yellow Pages. If you're under 20, that's a thing we used to have to look in to get people's phone numbers. I mean, literally, there'll be 30, 40 pages. And I'm the, I'm the kind of guy, I really need pictures on a menu. I mean, I'll just say uh, this. And I'll sit in them things and I'll read it front to back ten times. I'll say, skip me, go to her four times. And it's so hard to make a decision. And April will get mad. She'll say, um, just, just hold on. He wants it. She knows what I want better than I know what I want. We were somewhere the other day. I'm like, baby, what, what do I want? This is overwhelming. And it was like a one-page menu. So I, I get it. I, I know that there's certain things we have a hard time making decisions with. But let me say this to you. The solution to being indecisive about your life's direction is to make up your mind to live for God and start now. Amen. It ought not to be a question as to whether you're going to read your Bible tomorrow. Read it. Decide now. You're going to meet with God at such and such a time. There ought to be no question if we're going to be in the house of God come Sunday. Well, maybe because there's a pandemic, there's a little question. I'm going to give you that one. But if Preacher Malcolm and Brother Dustin says the doors are open, there should be no question that you will be where God has called you to be. Number two, here's a second indicator that we may be living in the past. If I am holding on to something God has asked for, I may be living in the past. This is a big one. A big one. I'll give you permission to not raise your hand. But listen, no permission is given to not be honest in your heart with God. I know that in in, in my life, there's been many times that God has said to me, "Uh uh-uh, about an area of my life or a thought life issue or a, a, a sin issue, no matter how big or small. And there's been times in my life where I have said, well, I know God, but... And here's what I've discovered. Even if it is a small, quote-unquote, sin, 
if God has addressed it in my life and I continue to coddle it and hold it and have it and entertain it and excuse it away every how I can, that thing, that issue, that problem, that sin, that whatever holds me down to a time when God asked me to make a decision. And I have to tell you, my fellowship with God is not as sweet as it could be. My time with God is not productive like it should be. And my wheels seem to begin to spiritually spin because God doesn't seem to allow us to go forward in our relationship with Him until we deal with those things we're holding on to. I can tell by how quiet it is and how intent you're looking at me that you've held on to some things before. That you may be holding on to something right now. And I'll be transparent. There was one of those things in my life that just a very few weeks ago, I I, I was presented with the option from God, either deal with it, son, or I'll deal with it. Can I tell you something? It's a whole lot better on us if we voluntarily give something over to God. Amen? Acts chapter 5, I won't read all these, but Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 is a story where Ananias and Sapphira sold a property and they conspired together that they would keep some of it for themselves and go tell the apostle that they were going to give a gift and it was the full sum. The crazy thing about that story is it says that while they had the whole sum in their possession, they could have done whatever they wanted to with it. Read Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5 tonight. They had a choice, but they lied about it and held something back. Having something for themselves was not the issue. The issue was they tried to fool God. And God dealt harshly with them. Let me ask you this. Would you surrender all areas of your life to God and fully trust His leading. I know what it feels like to say, I I don't know how I can function without such and such. I I just, you know, man, that's okay, man. Anytime we have to start like that, it might be that God has asked for something And we're holding on to it. What causes that? Feeling like we have to keep operating today in God's, in victory as a Christian, like we used to operate yesterday, trying to slug it out in the world and get by the best we can. It's a past problem. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. Number three, here's a third indicator 
that we might be living in the past. You say, preacher, why is this so? Why is this so uh, 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 so needful? Because most people that I have met in my life with major life problems, when you sit and counsel with them, when the rubber meets the road, it's what happened to them or it's what transpired and it's like a giant in their life 10 years ago or 15 years ago or two years ago and it's that thing in the past that's prohibiting them from having victory right now. That's why it's such an issue. And listen to me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not toward thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Don't tell me that you're trusting God for something big tomorrow if you refuse to trust Him to fix what was broken ten years ago. Number three, the third indicator... If I am harboring hatred or bitterness against someone, I may be living in the past. If I'm harboring hatred or bitterness against anyone, you know, it's kind of strange, but just the way we justify other things in our life, most of the time we will justify hatred or bitterness. Well, you just don't know what she did. You're right. I don't know. I have no clue. You just don't know how he... And and no preacher does know. know, When I sit and counsel with people, which I do quite often... I never say, man, I know. Because that'd be the biggest lie out of my mouth. Right? I've never walked in your shoes. You've never walked in mine. But one key to the Christian life is this. Jesus knows. So the excuse that nobody knows how I feel, that might work here. But there's a God in heaven that knows exactly how I feel. Matter of fact, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, He was tempted like in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. So not only does does Jesus know how we feel, He was able, Brother Melvin, He was able to know it, experience it, feel it, see it, and overcome it. Think about that for just a minute. It's Satan's tactic to make a wrong in our life look bigger than it is. I remember at the mission in Augusta that we worked, me and April worked, and Hunter and Sarah for so many years, there was a, a, a guy there named Lou. We called him Big Lou because he's about six foot seven, just a big guy, and, and he was a, a bad alcoholic, and 
he came into the mission and he got saved and he joined this program we had, this like uh, rehab type program and he stayed in every day and worked and did classes and he was doing really good growing as a new Christian. And I was teaching a class one day about forgiveness. And there was about six of us in this, around this uh, eight-foot folding table, and I was at the head of the class, and, and I was teaching about forgiveness, something like I'm teaching about on this point. And man, Louie, I could just see him. He was getting redder and redder. He was at the very end of the table, and redder and madder, and it was like steam was coming out of his ears. And I was, I was real young at this point, and I just thought, praise God, the Lord's on him. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> and I just was plowing away. And all of a sudden, old Big Lou stood up, and he, he slammed his fist down. He said, what do you do when you just hate somebody? And I thought, the first thought that came across my mind, I'm like 25 years old, first thing come across my mind was, I don't know, they didn't teach us that in Bible college, I don't know. I mean, I've been there with all these grown men. And I'm like, help me Jesus. Big Lou here, biggest man in the mission, all mad at me, I think. And I just... The first thing that came to my mind, I said, Lou, he, he, he said, what do you do when you hate somebody and you don't want to forgive them? That's what he said. I thought for a minute, I prayed, and I looked at him, I said, Big Lou, it'll be impossible for you to ever forgive unless you are forgiven. And actually, now that I'm telling the story, that was the moment he, he got saved right then. He broke down like a big baby, and he got saved, and then he continued to program well. About a week later, he came. I seen him skipping across the dorm room there in the homeless mission. He had a big old smile on his face. He said, hey, preacher, do me a favor. I said, well, what is it? He had this envelope with an address, a stamp, and the mission's return address. He gave it to me. He said, would you mail this for me? I said, what is that, Lou? He said, that's a letter I wrote to my daddy telling him that I still love him and I forgive him for everything he'd done. It was his daddy that he was so mad about. And I said, Lou... I thought you told us your dad had been dead several years. He said, oh, he is. He said, but God just told me to write him this letter. That's his last address I had. He said, God told me to give it to you to put it in the mail. He had a big old smile. He said, I'm forgiving him and I'm moving on. I think I widened out the return so it wouldn't come back. And I mailed that sucker. And you know what? It wasn't long. Am I telling the truth, April? It wasn't long, just a few months, and old Lou got him a job, got him a car, moved out, and he moved on with his life. But he found out that, listen, if we're going to move forward and overcome the pain and the hurt 
and the, the, the victimization of the past, we can't harbor bitterness. It don't work that way. The scripture is Romans 12, 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil, providing things honest in the sight of all men. Ephesians 4, 31. Listen to this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. You know what that means, tender-hearted? That means you're quick to forgive. Quick to break into tears and say, Jesus. Tender-hearted. It seems like in our society today, we're not doing nothing unless we bow up And get justice. Show me that in your Bible. I mean, honestly, where is it? Tenderhearted. Watch this. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I remember my own daddy, who we just buried two weeks ago. He got saved about 12, 13 years ago, something like that. And Right before he got saved, we was at a funeral, a family member's funeral, and it it was his brother, one of his brothers, and there was some bickering with the, with the, uh, the family, and Boy, it made my dad so mad. This is back when he was, before he was saved, he was still drinking beer real bad. And he told me this story a few years ago. He said, weeks after the funeral, he was still fuming over what the other family member did. He said he was sitting at the, on the uh, tailgate of his, his pickup truck drinking beer one night. A long, uh, 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 long neck Budweiser is what he told me in the bottle. He said and he just in his mind saw the face of the one family member that he had the issue with. He said he took beer after beer and just threw them down on the road, busting them in a rage. He was so mad. That was a couple years before he got saved. Then he got saved, and he was still mad. And a couple years into him growing as a Christian, he called me one day, and he said, I was watching the TV preacher today, and I thought, oh, Jesus. This would go good or bad. I don't know what he's fixing to say. He said, and that preacher said, if we expect God to forgive us, we got to forgive others that hurt us. He said, is that right, son? Dad was 75 years old at this time. I said, if that's what he said, Daddy, that's right. He said, man, I thought so. (laughs) He said, I heard that today, and and he was talking all mean. He said, I forgave her. I said, who? And then he told me that story. And there's been several 
times through the years he's laughed about that with me. He said, boy, I sure did feel good when I quit hating old so-and-so. I said, it does feel good, don't it, Daddy? And I got to teach him and tell him some. I said, Daddy, being bitter is like you drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. You're just killing yourself. And he got that principle at 75 years old and began to find freedom in his heart and freedom in his mind. And then it's like his Christian life really began to grow. Can I ask you a pointed question tonight? Who do you hate? Who do you refuse to forgive? Well, preacher, we're all, this is the Wednesday night crowd. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly who I am. And we need to be confronted with it. Because we can't move past the past until we move past the past. Boy, that's, that's theological right there, isn't it? What's the, what's the solution here on number three? Confess our sin to God and then go to the person and forgive them. In Big Lou's case, he couldn't go to his daddy, so he found therapy in writing the letter. He said it was therapeutic. I said, amen to that. If it's possible... Make amends. If it's not possible, rejoice in God's forgiveness and go on in forgiveness and tenderheartedness. Let's move on because that's a tough one right there. Number four, here's a fourth indicator. If spiritual growth and personal progress have stopped, I'm probably living in the past. Listen, it's only what? February the 3rd? We got a whole year ahead of us. We are willing it to be better than last year. Say amen right there. But a good indicator that that we're stuck is if personal growth and progress have stopped in our lives. Listen to what Philippians 3 says. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you all remember? Preacher preached on this early. uh, It was either last of December or early in January. He preached on this and he told us, we have to move forward. Why? It's a biblical principle. If we reach back and get that sin, reach back and get that hurt, reach back and hold that pain, our spiritual growth is going to stop. It's going to stop. What's the solution? Get involved in every area of the church you should and pay attention to personal time with God. A good question here is, when is the last time that you on purpose spent a few minutes alone with God? Sometimes I fail at that. I'm not trying to to tell you that I succeed in that every single day of my life, I fail. Why do you think I 
come up with these messages because I need to hear them as bad as anybody. But I want to try. Check this out. If I'm spending a whole lot of time alone with my hurt and pain, then that's time I could be spending alone with God. Sometimes people say, well, man, I don't know if it's God speaking to me or I don't know if it... Listen, here's what Satan does. Satan always brings guilt and shame. If you're feeling shame because of past failures, that's Satan. Mark it down. If you're feeling guilt because of whatever, that is Satan's work. Why am I saying that? Because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Am I right? Steal, kill, and destroy. Guilt and shame produces spiritual death. Well, how do I know if it's God speaking to me? Because He brings conviction. Conviction is God's still, small voice inside of us that reproves us, that corrects us, that says, that's not right. Satan will yell, you messed up and you'll never get it right. And he'll bring guilt and shame. Jesus will whisper, come unto me. I'll forgive you. I'll give you victory. So don't confuse the two. If you're loaded down with shame, you're loaded down with that sin. And if you've brought that sin to Jesus, and you've dealt with that honestly in your heart, and He's no longer convicting you, and it's Satan trying to get a foothold in your life, Listen, you need to stand on the authority of God's Word and you need to tell Satan and remind him that if we shall confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the Word. That's the Word. Let's not let spiritual growth and personal progress be stifled in our life just because Satan is in our ear. By the way, don't expect him to stop. Learn how to tune him out and tune the Holy Spirit in. Amen? Let's look at number uh, number five. This is a big one. I probably need to ask my wife to step out of the sanctuary for this one. (laughs) If many people tell me the same thing, but I can't see it, I may be living in the past. Myself, April, Tara... Brother Jalen is here somewhere. Brother Tim Barbie out at Fairview. We are all involved in, in the ministry of Unsheltered International. Some others that, that, that help out with that, uh, dealing with people. 
I bet we have five people right now that we're currently working with. There's, there's more than that, but at least five right now, I would say. I'm telling them. Tara's telling them. Brother Tim Barbie's telling them. Even Brother Jalen, when they come to the church, is telling them. And we're telling them the same thing. Maybe in a different way, but the same thing. But they just refuse to see it. I know in my life that, that when two or three people mention something to me, now I'm not talking about Facebook people. Understand that. I'm talking about loved ones that are, that are godly that, okay? If two or three People mention something, there's a good chance it's a real issue that I'm not seeing. If, if several people tell me the same thing but I can't see it, that's an indication I don't want to see it. Because maybe it's more comfortable to hold on to that other thing. One thing that we work with in addiction recovery, is, is, is trying to help all of us understand that it may be more, more familiar to operate here. But in order to find victory, we have to learn how to operate over here. It's more familiar to operate maybe in times past, like it says here, in verse 2. But familiarity doesn't ensure victory. You get that? Familiarity, that, that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're probably going to keep getting what you've been getting. And the times in my life when I've sat back and said, wow, God, it's usually when I've took some type of step of faith when it was uncomfortable for me, when I was scared, when I was nervous, when I said, I'm, I'm just not, I don't, God. It's then that I have saw God help me overcome. Amen. Or help God help me move through. Or find a breakthrough. Proverbs 27.9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Let me, let me encourage you. Find two or three really good people in your life to help hold you accountable. Every one of us needs somebody or a few somebodies that love us with all their heart and are not afraid to speak truth. Amen. And listen, I'm not talking about just bad stuff. I'm ta- a friend of mine last uh, a week or so ago got real serious and said, I need to tell you, and it was this, praise God, this time it was all positive, but I perceived it was a word straight from God. God now I'm not talking about something spooky, okay? Don't. Facebook message me later and tell me God has a word for you, preacher. A lot of times that's not it. If you ain't talked to me in 10 years, God probably ain't gave you anyway. You get what I'm saying. You, but I've got two, three people in my life 
They are God-given influences and God-given friends. Listen, if preacher Malcolm comes to me and says, Hey, Trav, we need to talk. I'm going to listen. Why? Because since I was 17 years old, he's been helping me in my Christian life. Never one time has he steered me long, uh, wrong. Lifelong friend. And, and I want him to have 100% permission to speak into my life. You say, well, I don't have nobody like that. Go be that for somebody else. And God will give you over time somebody like that in your life. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. Go be a friend. God will, over time, give you friends. What's the solution here on number five? Listen to those that love you the most and follow their advice. I promise you this. If half the people that come in our ministry and, and, and we begin to help and counsel, I promise you, if they would just follow our advice, I just, I don't even know what to say. You say, well, you think your advice is real good. Yeah, when, it, when it's the Word of God. <laughs> Amen? Let me go by, or, or go past that one, go to number six. Oh boy, listen up. If I carry guilt and shame because of what I used to be, I may be living in the past. We've kind of already covered this one because I was chasing rabbits in the previous ones. But I need to say it again. Guilt and shame is not God's work. Guilt and shame bring spiritual death. Conviction from God brings spiritual life. Well, why does God make me feel bad? Because, because He's trying to give you life. Amen? It's kind of like when you see your toddler sticking a coat hanger in the light socket. I mean, even if you have to tackle him and maybe knock him down and it scares him and hurts him a little, that could be a lot better than 120 volts running through him. You did that because you loved him. So God's, God's working in convicting us of our sin is always to bring about more life. Satan's working in, in guilt and shame is always to bring about death. So what's the solution? Have faith in God's forgiveness. Have faith in God's forgiveness. You realize there could be an issue in your, in, in your life right tonight that if you would simply tonight decide to believe what God's Word says about you, that issue could be gone. You could leave it at the altar tonight. Because God's Word is true. Matter of fact, the Scripture says in the book of Titus that God cannot lie. So if He has promised forgiveness to you, and you come to Him for forgiveness... Either one, we are still coddling our guilt and shame because it's familiar, or two, 
we still are in our guilt and shame because our sins are unforgiven and God's a liar. So which one do you think it is? Which one's more likely? Is it more likely that it takes a little bit of effort to do something different? Or is it more likely that, oh, in my case, you know, God's incapable? See, the problem's not on God, God's end. It's on our end. And God's asking us, hey, leave that familiarity in the past. Let me show you newness of life. Let me show you a spirit-filled life. God is saying, let me show you what it's like to walk in victory, to walk in forgiveness, to walk in the light. If this ain't helping nobody else, it's blessing me. Have faith in God's forgiveness. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation. Praise God. Somebody ought to be taking a lap around the the sanctuary right now because you know who you were, and now God has said you are justified, and only you really know the depths of your nastiness, and God has cleansed you from it. Folks, that's shouting ground. Let me help you with something. We're Baptist. We like shouting. Three ladies enjoy that. God have mercy. No wonder it's sometimes hard for God to do something with us. It's like we can't even believe it enough to smile about it. We're forgiven. The slate is is wiped clean. You realize that justified is just as if I'd never sinned. He's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. One old timey preacher said, he cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness and he posted up a no fishing sign. Say amen. Amen. They're gone. You're forgiven. Don't let Satan manhandle you. I like to work with dogs. I like to train dogs. Me and April had, we've had, a gazillion dogs, I guess. I had a German shepherd one time that would legitimately eat your leg off. She was crazy. She was, she was good. We trained her. She could find narcotics. She could, uh, she could do all, I, I, any kind of personal protection. Anything a police dog could do, Reba could do. Well, one day, she figured... Oh, if I could bite that dummy in that puffy suit, I can also bite you. Talking about me? And I had heard of other dog trainers who had to do this, but when she came up the leash on me, so to speak, I literally had to grab that dog up. I didn't hurt her, so don't... If you're a card-carrying PETA member, I did not hurt this dog. But I very, in a very masculine way, we wound up on the ground 
me on top of her, staring her right in her canine eyeballs, letting her know she couldn't get away with that with me. And you know what? We never had another issue about who the pack leader was after that. She fell in line. I don't recommend that. I'm just telling you what, I, what, what had to happen. And I'm saying that because I watch so many people with their dogs. Their dog walks all over them. And it's like a, a poodle, you know. And I'm thinking, dude, you weigh 250 pounds. And you got you a miniature labradoodle poodle Aussie whatever. And it's kind of like we got we got 66 books of truth. And the whole theme through this book is Jesus is coming. He's greater than Satan. He gives his life, overcomes death, hell, and the grave, rises again the third day, and offers eternal life to all that will call upon him, and forgiveness of sins, uh, 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 the whole shooting match, and we're still acting like Satan is a German shepherd with that's really going to bite us. Listen, folks, it's time we start believing God. That's probably a goofy illustration, but it's the best one I could come up with. What, what's the solution for number six? Have faith in God's forgiveness. Number seven. Here's a biggie. If I constantly try to fix everything I have broken, I may be living in the past. Now, I'm not talking about like fishing poles and stuff, okay? You know, if you broke your car, go fix it. You got to go to work. I'm talking about every one of us, we've, we've messed stuff up in our life. Unless I'm the only one. I've got relationships I messed up. You know, there, there's bridges I've burned. There's stuff I'm ashamed of. Am I the only one? What's the solution here? Make restitution where possible. Fix it where possible. But listen to me. Do not allow others to dictate how you live the rest of your life. You're going to have somebody that don't like the fact that now you call yourself a Christian. Man, I know who you really are. Up in that church every week, acting like somebody. If them people really knew you. Anybody ever had somebody like that? So here's what can happen. Either either you can allow them to dictate how you live the rest of your life, and you can always try to appease them and fix it, Or, you can be sure of your forgiveness in God. If possible, make restitution. I'm talking about go ask forgiveness. If there's something you stole, give it back, that type of thing. If it don't work, if it's not possible, leave it there. 
You've done your part. You're good to go now. Don't let them keep dictating your life. I talk to person after person after person after person, and they're stuck on what their boss said. They're stuck on what their whoever did and said. Can I tell you this? It's possible for someone to, to legitimately have been victimized and also go on to live in victory. Amen? There are many victims. It's very real. Very real. But there's also a lot of people who just feel more comfortable always living in victimhood. Victimhood ain't going to fix you. Victimhood's going to keep you poor, sinful, stuck, all that stuff. Meanwhile, them other people you're trying to do whatever, they done, they could care less about you. You see where I'm going with that? So don't let anybody dictate how you live today. Except God. Let's move quickly. Number eight. If I, here's an indicator that I might be living in the past. If I cannot rejoice in God's simplest promises, I might be living in the past. Every day of my life, it's like I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, well, isn't it, isn't it great though that God has saved you? Well, I, they can't even admit that's a good thing. Listen, you got to get out of the batter's box at some point. If you're having a hard time even rejoicing in, in the fact that you're saved, it could be because you're holding on to something that God says, hey, let go of that. Come over here and start rejoicing. Start understanding that victory is in Jesus Christ. Rejoice by faith. And sooner or later, you'll feel it. Let me give you the last one. Or what's the solution there? Make a conscious decision to thank God every day for the small things. If you don't have COVID, we ought to thank God for it. Amen? Amen? If we're going home tonight, some kind of home, we can thank God for it. If we have somewhat of a clear mind tonight, we need think we can rejoice in that. If we can't rejoice in the simple things, oh my goodness, we need to make a conscience decision to do so. Let your feelings catch up. Listen, feelings are like the caboose. It comes at the end. The engine that pulls the train of your life must be truth activated by faith. Rejoice by faith and them feelings will follow. Number nine. They told me I couldn't do all nine, but I got it here. Number nine. If I always talk about the same old thing, I may be living in the past. How many people have you, have you known? You've tried to help them over the years. But every time, it's the same old thing. Why is that? Because they refuse to let go of the hurt, the pain, the bitterness, 
the victimization, the whatever. Let's not have past problems. Let's have present victory. 1 Timothy 6.20 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and opposition of science, falsely so-called. In other words, Paul said, Timothy, if you want to move forward with God, you've got to let all that jive go. Don't talk about that. You talk about what God's doing today and let the past be the past. The solution is allow praise to be your main conversation. Folks, I challenge you tonight. Let's not let our past be our problem. Think about these indications. Apply the solutions. And let the Word of God move us forward to a great year. Amen.